0: What does a crypto and weed bank, an inappropriately named yacht, and a $600,000 unpaid bill to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Paradise
1: Island all have in common? Let's just assume it's what crypto billionaires buy when they have nothing else to buy. (laughs) Due to a recent public filing,
0: we know there's some of the crazy stuff that Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX bought during their reign of crypto supremacy. I love it. On this episode of Hacked, we are discussing all the wild stuff FTX bought before it all came crashing down. We're gonna talk about Let Me Spy and the uncomfortable question of what happens when software
1: designed to let folks spy on people gets infiltrated by a spy. I think the big news story, maybe not as cyber security related, but just worth discussion, is uh, Facebook's founding of Threads. Uh, Twitter's new competitor, Lynn Lightning Speed.
0: <laughs> they sure did whip it up quick. Yeah, And then I want to talk about a Reddit post in a subreddit about AI game development that blew up, and the response to which suggests we've entered this interesting new act in the story of AI and copyright. Mm-hmm. All that and more on this chatty episode of Hacked. Hacked. Scribbledy, bip bop,
1: boom. Someone on Twitter loves our theme music. I saw that. Yep. Mm-hmm. They love the, specifically the outro music. That's a big, big shout
0: out. It just means you made it to the end. I, I will say it's the same as the intro music, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not correcting anybody. If, if you're vibing to it, you know, it,
1: maybe put it on Spotify. Away.
0: And it would make yeah,
1: five $4. That, like, you know, get those royalties. <laughs> Makes seven cents a year. So ruthless.
0: (laughs) Before we get to that, uh, you know who I want to who I want to thank,
1: Scott. Who would you like to thank, Jordan? Well, I think you can guess. I'm assuming you are talking about our new patron, Spawning Grounds. That is
0: correct. Uh, Big old shout out to Uh all of our new patrons on Patreon. You can go to hackedpodcast.com at redirects to our Patreon. It's the best way to support the show. Uh, and every other episode, we thank all the new folks since the last one, including Spawning Grounds. Thank you so much. And Merlin. Could never forget about Merlin, who we owe a response to on Patreon. Uh, sent us a message.
1: That's true. We do. We do. I'm going to totally yeah. destroy this person's last name. So I feel like this is Whoa. where I awkwardly just hand, hand you the mic and say, why don't you give it a go?
0: Why don't I take a take a, a running jump at thank you so much uh, for your support Mark Slosarek.
1: There you go. Look hey. good. I see, feel good about that. See, the next one the next one I feel very confident in and I think I could do Benjamin. Yeah, you know, what? I think you, you might stick the landing on Benjamin. Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin. Benjamin. Thank you so much for your support.
0: Uh, it really does mean the world to us. Again, that's hackedpodcast.com to jump over to our Patreon and uh, show us show us a little love.
1: Do we want to talk about lavish toys purchased by (laughs) uh, uh, what I would say is artificial billionaires, but they're not artificial, they're actual billionaires? They are real billionaires. uh, Were.
0: Were real billionaires. Were. They were real billionaires. Mmm.
1: Mmm. Mmm.
0: Maybe. Sam Bankman-Fried, for anyone that doesn't know, is the former CEO of FTX, uh, currently awaiting trial in October following his extradition from the Bahamas. Mr. Bankman Bankman-Fried was arrested in December after the collapse of FTX. They were one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. Uh, he agreed to be extradited on these charges that he had orchestrated this sweeping fraud in which he used billions of dollars in customer deposits to pay for crypto trading, charitable donations, and lavish, very, very lavish uh, real estate purchases. Gets the United States, he's granted bail. He's currently under house arrest in his childhood home in California. Uh, very, very briefly. There have been some recent developments in that case. Uh, Additional charges were pursued. They were then withdrawn with this big caveat uh, that there will be a second trial in 2024 regarding these new charges, none of which is why we bring him up. For the last five months, we've been getting this flood of bankruptcy filings and public disclosures relating to this case, which means... During that whole time when they were allegedly defrauding people of billions of dollars, we know what they spent their money on. Scott,
1: <laughs> it's, it's a great list, honestly.
0: It's it's a it's a really uh, top drawer list. Uh, during this multi-year stretch when SBF and FTX were, you know, the darlings of the emergent crypto world, they went on this spending spree, and we know what they paid for. You can't buy taste, but you can buy a guy on Twitter a Tesla for the lol, Scott. <laughs> uh, Bloomberg recently published a select list of stuff that SBF and FTX bought during their time in the sun. We'd be fools not to talk about it ever so briefly.
1: There's some real doozies on here. It's really, really great. It's uh, They did a
0: really good job because I'm sure they had to come through a lot of not funny stuff, but they did. And they found the funny stuff. Uh, in no particular order, for $11.5 million for an equity stake, they purchased a Moonstone Bank, a community bank in Washington that uh, at some point decided to rebrand as a crypto and cannabis bank, which drew you know the interest of SBF and FTX. Since the collapse of this, they have changed their ba- name back to Farmington State Bank, saying it was a, quote, returning to its original mission, presumably of being a normal bank. Uh-huh. So they started by buying a bank.
1: Uh-huh. There's, that's, the, that's a reasonable one. You can you can look at that and go like that's honestly the best like yeah like, like that's that's a business expense you buy a bank you become a banks bank banks make money banks make money they also bought some totally some generic real estate and by generic I mean gr- yep. grotesquely expensive fancy real estate lavishly but, expensive <laughs> lavish. <laughs> totally yeah they bought a penthouse for thirty million dollars just as like a hangout inside of uh, some fancy private resort area in the Bahamas like you know the th- reasonable things well reasonable and also kind of funny. Yeah, Because it showed that they
0: wanted to go to this super exclusive resort in the Bahamas, but that they didn't really seem to want to hang out with the other people at the resort. (laughs) So they used the crypto money to buy the penthouse of the resort for 30 million bucks. So they could go to the cool place, but then not have to hang out with other people, which is a really... Crypto
1: billionaire thing to do in my personal. Opinion. It's like, hey, um we're all a bunch of serious introverts and you know, have yeah. there's a bunch of other I could make reference to a bunch of other news regarding the in crowd at at FDX, but I won't. But I'm assuming well, assuming <laughs> they needed some some private spaces for some of their private going-ons. Google it
0: if you're curious what we're talking about. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> they also went on a uh, naming rights
1: buying spree. Mm. Okay. There's one here I really want to talk about because it's it please breaks my mind yeah so they they bought one. yeah they bought they bought an esports they bought the naming rights to an esports organization and like i don't know how many of you follow esports or jordan even if you follow mm-hmm. esports but it's like yeah, a little i follow esports a bit and i mm-hmm. i've been trying to figure out how that industry survives because <laughs> i don't think they really make any money and like sure. these these organizations like spin up and go away like in a five year cycle. Right and, right, right. and if this is any indication, esports teams are wildly successful because FTX <laughs> bought naming rights to an LA based esports team, most notable for their Super Smash Bros. team for $210 million.
0: Get that bag, Team Solo Mid FTX.
1: Like, that is. Like for two hundred, like let's just contrast oh, wow. that with, with the other crazy naming rights they bought. So they bought the naming rights to like Miami's premier NBA facility where the Heat play for twenty yep. years or nineteen years. They only paid one hundred and thirty-five million for that. In, in contrast, a deal they got a real deal, <laughs> on, a deal on that. So it's like some esoteric Super Smash Bros esports team for two hundred and ten million versus. Naming one of the most premier sports facilities in North America for twenty years mm-hmm. for one hundred thirty million, yep, wild, wild to me. Yeah,
0: they all, they didn't. It, a minor correction: they didn't buy an esports naming rights thing. They bought a bunch of them. Mm. They bought the branding to the League of Legends Championship Series. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the important thing about all of these naming rights things is like. When the person who bought the naming rights to your thing becomes the poster child for a, a whole new genre of fraud, uh, do you have to keep the name on your thing? Uh, <laughs> The answer to which will be figured out in court because all of these things are currently suing FTX. I yes, think the League of Legends Championship s- Series is suing FTX. I believe formerly FTX arena now the Casilla Center. I think they're in a lawsuit. It, they, I'm the, not totally
1: sure about that. I would assume as much. like the con- con- yeah, I because the fair. contractual value for their for their sponsorship deal is massive. you know also the the Mercedes F1 team was a big FTX partner. Right, it's not on this list, but I know it because I watch F one. But the, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like the the amount of money that they threw, it's you know, it's reminiscent of a. I of am not gonna say it was a Ponzi scheme, but like you know, that's a lot of money to spend on marketing. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll wait for the next couple of years worth of uh, court cases mm.
0: uh, to, to, to to decide that one and Team Solo Mid FTX the uh, Super Smash team has dropped FDX from their name. So in addition to a bunch of naming rights stuff, in addition to a penthouse inside of a clubhouse so you don't have to talk to the people in the clubhouse, they also bought a a yacht. Mm. A pretty... Pretty modest. A pretty conservative yeah, yacht. pretty modest. Pretty modest yacht. Mm. Uh, Alameda Research, the hedge fund that was sort of embroiled in this whole drama, bought a 52-foot yacht for its chief... Co-Chief Executive Officer Sam Trabucco for $2.5 million. That's not really the interesting part. Um, the name of the vessel, mm. this fine seafaring vessel,
1: Soak My Deck. Soak My Deck. Is what they named their boat. What happens that they when bought? you give a bunch of... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to finish that statement. I don't, I don't need to say anything else. <laughs> The the
0: <laughs> there's nothing to say about that, but anyway they bought a two and a half million dollar boat
1: and then named it that. Pretty like uh, in the world of of billion dollar boats, spending only really spending two and a half million dollars on a boat seems it really like a reasonable yeah. expense yeah. among this list of insanity. <laughs>
0: Given that they bought twenty four point four million dollars in Board Eight Yacht Club non fungibles, uh, I would tend to agree. Yeah, they they played it real conservative uh, when they bought Sam
1: the other Sam, Sam two a boat. Oh my god, we we um, we have to do an episode on NFTs one of these days. I know we talked about it. We talked to, like we've touched on it. Talked about it. A, yeah, but like twenty four point four million dollars for a bunch of ape photos that were digitally generated. Like it just. I do want to. I do want to talk about this one because we were talking about marketing promos and and getting sued. Yes, the Larry David commercial. Yep. Don't be like Larry. I'm sure if mm-hmm. you haven't seen it, you need to mm-hmm. see it. It's essentially Larry David saying that like crypto is a scam. That's literally the commercial, and that he's not going to buy into it. That's the whole ad. And then Larry was consequently sued mm-hmm. for promoting FTX. You know, as many of these people that start in their commercials and and use their channels to promote FTX are. are Have found themselves pulled into lawsuits. And Larry's like, Mm -hmm. Larry's like, no, the whole commercial, I was telling you not to do it. (laughs) It's like,
0: (laughs) they paid me $20 million to tell you not to do it, which is very funny. Yeah, very funny. A very funny thing to say. Like, not unintentionally funny, like credit where it is due. That's a pretty funny way to respond to this whole situation. Yeah, but I honestly think,
1: because he also, apparently, I don't know if this is true, but. I'd heard that a lot of other the people that did promotions for them and and were offered major gigs, they were offered to be paid like exorbitantly more in crypto. And Larry was like, "Absolutely not! I want real money." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, true true to his words, he, he was like, "No, that's fake money. Give me real money." That see the thing is is it's like I think he's got a I don't I'm not sure what's happened with these lawsuits. We should pull it out, but. I think you have a decent legal leg to stand on because, like, FTX, <laughs> the company is like, "Don't be like Larry." But Larry, at least consistently, is like, "No, I don't believe in crypto. Like, I don't want to get paid in I went it." On television. I went on television. And, yeah, like, sure. Like, it's not like I'm, and, and then FDX like paid me to be me and then said, "Don't be me." Like, I think that's a. I think you could build a pretty strong legal argument there to get out of it. Mm.
0: And I'm sure some of the best lawyers in the world will. And, yes, absolutely. And I think last on this list that we should talk about before we move on is yes. for $599,409, there is a unpaid bill <laughs> unpaid bill to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Paradise Island. This whole drama, quite a remarkable story. I would, I would forget all of it if I could just know oh. what that bill was for. What did they spend five hundred ninety nine thousand dollars at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Paradise Island on? Presumably, there's very fancy hotel rooms. I just want to—I want to be a fly on the wall for that whole weekend because out of all of these, like these are pretty garish purchases. I'm not even really that mad at that. There's something about spending over a half a million bucks at Jimmy Buffett's that I'm like, that's. That's that's pretty punk rock. I'm I'm pretty okay with. This is actually the least
1: punk rock thing I've ever heard? But it's pretty. Yeah, dope. I can tell you what they I'm, spent it on. I'm pretty. I almost it. bet money on it. Do you know? No, I, I don't know. Oh. But I, but I'll tell you what it was, because I could sure. I, sure. I, I just know what it's from. The you're a big parrot head. I feel you. Oh okay, man, continue. yeah. So, <laughs> e- e- you got to assume like FTX was what like 200 and some people at its peak. Oh, I and see they were like sure and the, and, sure. And you know they're most of them parachuted into the Bahamas and were living this like dreamy twenty four year old post you know graduating yeah. university lifestyle yeah, making yeah, yeah, yeah probably exorbitant money unfathomable for this sums. company for this company that that literally didn't care about the expense breakdown in their income statements like obviously they didn't 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 put the brakes on any buying pressure I would assume <laughs> there were no breaks f t x had Tabs open at K. Okay. Most major places in the in the in like the region. And if sure. you worked for FTX, you could just wander in, blow a grand on lunch, expense it to the company, and it goes on a tab. And I bet this tab is unpaid. I bet they, you know, yep. They didn't have the credit card to process before the before,
0: before it all it blew up and down. got frozen.
1: Sure. Now James. Exactly. So that's James
0: is stuck with the. That's my thoughts. No, I think that's really. Exactly. I really, really
1: buy that. 600 grand at Margaritaville. (laughs) Here's the scary part (laughs) is like most of those tabs are probably like monthly. Oh, my. So you've got to assume that in like the year preceding this, they might have dropped $7 million Mm -hmm. at Jamie Buffett's Margaritaville Paradise Island. Which? Maybe that's where they like to have after work drinks. Honestly? not mad about
0: it yeah 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 G- get 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 that money Jimmy like get yours if you,
1: <laughs> if you work for a company that will lit- literally just spends money on anything and takes care of the staff like that's pretty amazing like you know sure but fair enough granted they, they were spending other people's money when they when they were buying you those drinks and food and yeah, no, you know, for yacht sure. trips and first class flights. and. Oh, don't get me wrong, wanted, I'm but- mad
0: about it in a much larger sense. But I'm not mad about <laughs> Jimmy Buffett getting paid. Uh, uh, n- never have been, never will be. I'm going to get a message after this about... Um, <laughs> Some war crime Jimmy Buffett committed or something. But uh, just going by his beachy, breezy attitude and reputation, I feel pretty good about it. Nice. So that's just some of the crazy stuff that SBF and FTX bought. To hard pivot, let's do the hardest pivot that will occur in this episode. Okay. From that fun, light, breezy story, that Margaritaville Paradise Island-esque story set in the Bahamas. Let's, uh, Let's take a turn towards a little story about something called Let Me Spy. Let's talk about Let Me Spy and what happens when the bad thing that your product has empowered other people to do happens to you. In case it was not totally clear from the name, Let Me Spy is a phone monitoring app for Android. You install it on someone's Android device locally, and Let Me Spy kind of quietly uploads text messages, call logs, and precise location data from the phone to their servers, which is then accessible to the installer. The app is importantly designed to remain concealed on the phone's home screen, making it challenging to detect and remove for the person who's had it installed on their phone. This type of app is part of a larger product category, kind of known in the the industry as stalkerware or spouseware. This is because of its remarkable utility to um, untrustworthy Spouses who often have physical access to their partner's devices, and because if you use it, you're acting like a big old stalker. Yeah. Not a great product category, suffice it to say. Not a great look. Yeah. Not a great look, not a good thing to do. Don't use these apps. The big irony of these things, uh, the irony here is that despite their deep access to a person's phone, these surveillance apps are notorious for bugs and basic security errors. Over the years, a bunch of these spyware, stalkerware, spouseware apps have been hacked, leaked, and exposed, resulting in the theft of private phone data from the actual victims here. These breaches have included mSpy, Spy, Moba Stealth, Flex the Spy, all had breaches. The FTC is currently pursuing legal action against <coughs> Retina X, who had two data breaches involving sensitive victim data last year. Uh, these things get hacked a lot, and now it is Let Me Spy's turn. Last month, the company disclosed this big security incident on its login page, stating that unauthorized access took place on June 21st. The hackers managed to access email addresses, phone numbers, and the content of messages collected on the accounts. A Polish security research <laughs> blog called Nebus Piksnik... Wow, well done. I feel pretty good about that, yeah. Yeah, well done. Uh, ...reached out to the Spyro <laughs> manufacturer for comment. And instead of the manufacturer responding to that email the hacker response, claiming to have gotten extensive access to the spyware maker's domain. Uh, the identity of the hacker behind the Let Me Spy breach and their motives is currently unclear. They suggested that they had deleted the database stored on the server, but copies of that database have appeared online later that same day. Had they just hacked and destroyed this data, uh, I think that would have been much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robin Hooded it instead of, you know, raided it. They were on the edge of Robin Hooding it. Um, yeah. So then... DDoS Secrets, who we've talked about before, a very interesting nonprofit transparency collective, they get a copy of the hacked Let Me Spy data. They verify it with TechCrunch. To both of their credits, there's a ton of personally identifiable information in this cache of data, and they lock down and limit distribution of it to data journalists and researchers. The leaked data included years of victims, call logs, text messages, uh, all this very private stuff dating back to 2013. 13,000 compromised devices. In January, Let Me Spy's website stated that their software had been used to track just shy of a quarter of a million devices, tens of millions of call logs, location data, texts. As of right now, the counter on the site reads zero, and much of the site's basic functionality, including the app itself, seems to be broken by this hack, which I think is good. The data suggests that the majority of victims were located in the US, India, and Western Africa. Interesting. Well, yeah. So let's dig into the customers here a little bit. The data also contained the spyware, kind of what they refer to as their master database, mm-hmm. which was information on the 26,000 customers who used this this spyware against other people. It also revealed who makes this thing. Leaked database reveals that Light Me Spy is built and maintained by a Polish developer named Rafal Lidwin, based in Krakow. Kind of went combing around a little bit, Bunch of different press outlets reached out for comment. Doesn't seem Lidwin has responded to any of them. Shocker. Shocker. It remains unclear whether Let Me Spy is going to be notifying victims whose phones were compromised, uh, if they even have the ability to do so. But this is the tough part about all this, and making software in this terrible stalkerware, spouseware type category, is that if you notify the victims of a device compromise, there's a non-zero chance at scale that you're actually going to put some of those people in danger. Uh-huh. By providing a product for a fundamentally unsafe situation, It alerting people that they're the victims of this compromise is alerting them that they've been compromised and, and some bad stuff can happen. So it's it's a pretty pretty rough situation all around. As I mentioned earlier, this is not the first time these things have been hacked or breached. As many of them as you can name, they've probably all been hacked at some point. and Spy, Kids Guard, Truth Spy, Support King have all had breaches. These are not trustworthy apps ignoring the fact that you need to be a generally not trustworthy person to even think about using them yeah and as always with these things the tragic irony is that when these things get breached the people that were being victimized tend to be the first people to be victimized by that hacked because it's not always the customer's data that gets leaked it's the victims their calls their texts their movements interesting yeah bad yeah i that bad.
1: It is <laughs> bad the interesting bad interesting bad the a few a few things one few, I feel like if you're in a situation where you're even considering using spouseware, that yep. you should probably just become an unspouse at that point and save I think save bad. save both save both parties the uh the headache the as yep. I'm sure nobody wants to be a spouse of somebody who's going to install spouseware on their phone let me tell you that no. so you're about to 100% you might if somebody's crossed the line the other person's about to cross the line and I just think that that's a you know exit with your head high
0: yeah the, the i think if you need to install something on someone's phone without their knowledge
1: uh yeah you're not off to a you're great not start. a great partner no exactly mm-hmm. i think on the flip side of that coin, the the place where like having the ability to just throw a hacking tool and or like a like a spying tool onto someone's phone without them knowing, you know that has a lot of corporate security aspects. Yeah, because like you don't you don't point. need to be you don't need to be stalking the person. No. You don't need to be spying on your spouse. Like the software is good for everything. Mm-hmm. If you've got a Made reference to it a few times, but like you got a mergers and acquisitions lawyer who sure. works in Wall Street, and you have this on their phone, and you get to read their messages and other going ons. Like that's a ton of valuable data. Heaps. It's it heaps of valuable, very financially valuable data. It's like I, I just feel like this. I, I'm what I'm roundabout getting to is that I'm shocked. That the app store has even let this stuff exist. Yeah. Is this is this stuff is it delivered via the app store or is it like a back mm. ground
0: install? I believe let me spy was available through the Google Play Store, but I don't know that definitively. <clears throat> I mean, here's the thing if if Let Me Spy wasn't available, I, I think I named eight of these things that have been compromised totally. in the last few years, a bunch of them were available in the app stores. I think the the story that a lot of them tell on their websites is that this can be useful for parental control. Of course. And that's exceptionally frustrating because like iOS and stock Android both have parental control features. Yeah. And the important thing about parental control is you don't have to hide to your child that you have parental control on the device because you're the parent, you're allowed to do that. They can bump into a thing saying you're not allowed to do this, this is being looked at. Like that that's that's okay in that dynamic. Mm-hmm. To have to make a version of those exact same surveillance and control uh, programs that don't alert the person they're being used against should tell you that you're going down the road to doing something not okay. That consent and awareness angle is sort of what all of this turns on.
1: And I do completely agree that, like, when it does come to mm-hmm. parental oversight, mm-hmm. you know, seeing as we're giving these devices to. To children now, um, Mm -hmm. they should really just be balkaning and strengthening up the parental controls on them. That would be much better. I don't know, much better for me than kind of letting these things exist Mm -hmm. outside of their own controlled Mm -hmm. ecosystem.
0: I think iOS makes it harder to do some of these things and it makes it easier to figure out if it's on your device. I think that's something that they're doing right. But at the end of the day, as long as. Access, as long as certain software has access to some of these permissions, uh, people are going to do dodgy stuff with it, apparently.
1: <laughs> Shocker. 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 People will do dodgy stuff if given the opportunity to do so. Famously. People love doing dodgy stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, AI
0: game development, uh, threads, and whether a thumbs up emoji is legally binding right after the break.
2: All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part.
1: Just a quick hit on this one because it's funny and it's local to us-ish. Yes, yes. Ish. So a Canadian court mm-hmm. has just ruled that a thumbs up emoji is a legal agreement. hmm So a farmer, this is in the province next to, next to me... Um, a farmer was in some discussion with another grain cooperative or something, and they signed an mm-hmm. agreement for something eighty eighty two thousand Canadian dollars, you know, about sixty sixty k US. Mm-hmm. And uh, the farmer replied to the essentially an, a contract via text. He sent a thumbs up emoji. And the court has now agreed that that is legally binding. He essentially had a verbal commitment, and it, it is a contract. Mm-hmm. so we we have evolved beyond language. <laughs> we have evolved technologically a thumbs yep. up. Now, yep. anytime you're like, "Hey, are we meeting at five for drinks?" and somebody sends you a thumbs up emoji and then goes we'll see
0: you in court.
1: <laughs> they have legally broken. <laughs> They've broken a legal uh, contract.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty amazing story. My favorite part was the sort of, so so you have this farmer and you have this grain buyer and you have this, essentially like puts this thing up to tender, sends out a contract, guy responds with a thumbs up and this all ends up in court, which means that this justice, Timothy Keene in the uh, court of King's bench in the province of Saskatchewan has to go, (laughs) I'm just going to read the quote. This case, quote, led the parties to a far-flung search for the equivalent of a Rosetta Stone in cases from Israel to New York State and tribunals in Canada to unearth what a thumbs-up emoji means. This whole thing sparked this, like, national treasure global journey to, like, figure out what is it that a (laughs) thumbs-up emoji means. The best part, though, is that in all of the court documents for this, they do not refer to it as a thumbs-up emoji. They use the thumbs-up emoji. Which means that you have like legal documentation It is just it reads like an iMessage thread. It's just peppered <laughs> with emojis the entire way through of them trying to figure out really what does it mean. Is it a confirmation? Does it rise to the level of a signature? This like weird legal, like digital etymology thing that this
1: justice had to figure out because of a bushel of grain. Could you imagine if cuz like you know they had to do this for the thumbs up emoji but like if we're now considering emojis yeah as part of of legal language could you imagine yes. if they had to make like yes. essentially a terms of reference for every single emoji and what it legally means that's fantastic sure Are we talking wow. gifts
0: does a reaction mean count like the pandora's box that this opens
1: extraordinary extraordinary it would be i, I would i would love to see a legal Definition for each emoji. Well, interestingly, that, yeah, I would love to read that. So that, that Justice Keen,
0: and they talk about this a little bit, stated that while a thumbs-up emoji is a non-traditional means to, quote, sign a document, that it was a valid way to convey uh, the two purposes of a signature under these circumstances – Importantly for our discussion, he dismissed concerns that allowing a thumbs up emoji to, to signify acceptance, quote, <laughs> would open up the floodgates to new interpretations of other emojis, including totally. the fist bump and the handshake. What I want to start doing, you know how people will do something just to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, like that idea of I'm going to get into a situation so I can pursue it legally uh, to sort mm-hmm. of set some kind of a precedent? Totally. I think this opens the floodgates for that. <laughs> What's a poop emoji mean? Like there's so much we don't know about these symbols we use every day now that they've entered the legal sphere and I <laughs> intend to find
1: out. Not it. only that, like could you ima- like imagine being somebody later in their career who maybe d- doesn't speak yeah, emoji as well, as well. And all of a sudden you're sure. like you know, maybe you use them occasionally in text messages and in conversations. You know, you use the ones you know. Maybe you like, you know. Yeah, sure. Like, you didn't grow up with the palette. So you're not familiar with all the colors. And then all of a sudden you're being legally held to these things. Like, (laughs) it's good. (laughs) I think that's explicitly
0: what happened here. I don't get the sense Kent Mickleborough knew when he was texting with farmer Chris Actor that that's what, like, I. I have to assume the thumbs up emoji didn't mean to be a signature, but maybe I'm making, maybe that's the wrong assumption. Maybe that's exactly what he meant to do. And then when the price of that crop went up, he tried to renege. Maybe this is exactly how this should have gone. See, but, but like, um,
1: the, I don't know. Like, you know, in, in more contemporary uses of the thumbs up emoji, it's essentially used to kill a conversation. Like, you're, you're, it's essentially like a okay with a good, like a wave goodbye. So like maybe somebody's like, "Hey, here's that contract." And he's like, "Got it." Yep. Like thumbs up. Like I cool. got the contract. I'll take a look at it. Not like thumbs up, "Yes, it's agreed to. I signed it digitally with my thumb."
0: That is what uh yeah. I believe actors' lawyers argued was that it was a it was a confirmation of receipt, not a signature of the
1: contract. Yeah, which to me makes like that's hard yeah. to That's a valid argument. It's
0: a valid argument. It's a valid argument. And then Justice Timothy Keane goes on this like Da Vinci Code research (laughs) quest about what an emoji means. The response to which is, well, my client did not. Uh, Exactly. They weren't using it. It's valid that that is sort of it's you found the Rosetta Stone, you translated it, you used the codex, that's what it means. Great. The client didn't know that. Yeah. You're, you're a, does it matter if you don't know what a signature means when you sign something? I have no idea. You're applying um, a you're applying it's a, not
1: clear. You're applying a definition to something that everybody uses differently, and nobody really sure. nobody really has a dictionary for this this language. Yes. You've created the first entry of it and you're now holding mm-hmm. somebody legally. like I can't wait for this one to go. Like this is going to go up in courts for sure. It's going to get appealed up. And,
0: and I say this earnestly, not because I agree or disagree one way or the other. I really want to interview Justice Timothy Keene. I just want to understand what this person learned about the thumbs up emoji, because it's it's got to be more than has ever been studied or read or assembled about the thumbs up emoji. Like they might have become the foremost expert in that symbol over the course of the case. Got,
1: and I, I want to talk great to, news for you, Jordan. When the decision is launched public and is released via the court um, services, you'll be able to download it and read it. Oh. It might even be up now. It, it was pretty, it was pretty recently, so it might, it might not quite be up, but it, it, you, you'll be able to read the entire justice's decision and all of their substantiation, which would be, I think actually a pretty fascinating read. I will nuke our audience.
0: I will eliminate half Half of people will unsubscribe when we release our
1: three-part <laughs> deep dive. Oh, it is out. Is it? I'm looking at it. Sick. Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe you should just do a Patreon episode where you just read just this read entire <laughs> thing. Okay, it's all coming together. That's what
0: a thumbs up emoji means. Before we get to the future of AI and copyright, Let's uh let's let's chat about a little development in the uh, social media and consumer tech world this past month. The dawn of Threads. Interestingly, uh, five days of launch, it's a hundred million signups. That's the sort of big headline this last week. Is that it grew? Uh, I think it beat. ChatGPT is the fastest growing online platform to hit that milestone. Quite impressive. Makes a lot of sense. You have this massive social graph from Instagram that just gets cleanly ported over to your new thing. Yep, It's like two clicks to, to jump over to this. Uh, and there's a, a great deal of chatter amongst you know Twitter users as to whether or not they like the platform and where it's going and its uh, current ownership. So it sort of opens up this big old fun conversation about... <laughs> Which social media owning tech billionaire are you currently
1: aligned with? (laughs) Well, the I just want to talk about the growth really quick because I'll tell you that the the main reason why I popped popped into the app, downloaded it and popped Mm -hmm. into it because it's not online, very Instagram 1.0E. Um is like name squatting. Like I went on there just to make sure that I got a, a handle that wasn't, you know. User three eight six nine four seven two three. You know, a classic sure. New platform exists. People jump on it just to make sure that they get whatever username they want or you know, try and get great usernames to hold them and sell them later. Like it's just a classic, but it it does I was disappointed to see that it was just well, I guess I'm not disappointed to see, probably happy to see that it just uses Instagram's username stuff. Mm-hmm. So you just instantly get your Instagram handle. So I count on one and is an account on both. Sure. This
0: last uh, two weeks, we kind of watched the trough of disillusionment start for ChatGPT. Anyone doesn't know, there's this idea that as we get new types of technology, we all go, oh my God, this is incredible. It can do everything. And then we realize what it can't do. And we get disillusioned and think it can't do anything. And then we inevitably end up somewhere (laughs) in the middle where we have a more accurate understanding of what the thing really is. (laughs) And people were talking about how ChatGPT's user base uh, started shrinking for the first time since it came out seven months ago. Um, Mm -hmm. interestingly about threads by pegging it to a Instagram account and making it so that you can't delete the threads account uh, individually from the Instagram account at least for now you have essentially made sure that you're probably never going to have uh, user base shrinkage shrinkage. it's it's super clever I'm sure they'll pull that back at some point but it is uh, they'll have to it's a very uh, considered choice from a very considered company
1: I think the, I think the, the, it probably comes down to the fact that the usernames are linked. Of course. So your username on Instagram becomes your username. So, like, essentially your account is already threads enabled. You just need to turn the binary flag from, do I use threads to yes from no. Mm. So they'll just make a, a flip to flip it back. Sure. But I don't think you'll ever get to the situation where, like, like on Twitter, if you delete your account, you know, I, Jordan, I'm not actually familiar with what your account is, Jordan Bloom, and I assume mm-hmm. you if it. you were to delete that, somebody else could grab it, and right. then boom, they would be right, right, your th- right. And I just don't think I I think the thread has a bit of protection against that as long as you keep your Instagram account, which I don't think is a bad thing. Sure, because you know that's a classic misinformation. Totally. Kind of hack.
0: No, I, th- I think building some kind of security against name squatting and all that stuff make from the outset makes total sense. Yeah. it is fascinating to imagine what kind of security re- uh, issues they're dealing with as you have a hundred million people flood into a thing. It's obviously built on the back end of Instagram, so pretty pretty robust mm-hmm. security infrastructure as uh, applications go. But it's got to be um, it's got to be a lot. Which is my transition to you talking about exploiting redirection.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, after that great transition, um, there's been a rush, like a frantic rush of uh, criminal syndicates buying um, similar domains to try and do URL sure. obfuscation Fruits. and things like that. Yeah, so
0: I got you. Make okay.
1: make thing, make things look like they're threads links and threads uh, short URL redirections, but they're actually not. So apparently there was a massive rush into that. So I'm sure that the you know, when we talk about what billionaire you want to align <laughs> with, I guess the one beauty of aligning with a billionaire as yeah, big sure. as Facebook um, is that they've they've their teams have dealt with probably every type of social media hack ever at this point. They are the the proving ground for them. So they're probably well used to it and ready to combat all of these things out of the yeah. gate, I would assume, rather than, you know, have to have to learn on the go, which I guess is the perk of jumping in bed with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> so but I did let's let's just that's a good transition to 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 talking about which billionaire you want to align with. I saw this align with funny well, align with <laughs> Hey, you use that term. I'm just, I'm just repeating. I did, I did, I did, I really did. I'm just using Uh, your words. The, uh, I I think I don't know where I saw it. I, I want to think it was like Reddit Wall Street Bets or something like, sure, somewhere like that. And it was like two years ago. We were all we love Elon Musk. Yes. Tesla's the greatest thing. He's saving the world. Mm-hmm. Let's buy. It. Invest in invest in Tesla, invest in Elon. Elon's, you know, the genius savior of the planet. Two years later Tony and, Stark and we need. Yeah. And also like, you know, meta and Facebook are terrible and we need to be against them and blah blah blah. Mm, monopoly. Yeah. Exactly. Two years later we're all we don't like Elon. Yay, rah rah, Mark Zuckerberg, he's saving us again. And it, anyway, it's just yeah, the current internet, you know, the cyclicalness of the internet is 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 its own comedic thing. But the yeah, sure, I, I don't know. It's a it's a like I'm a fundamental rights person. I've said that before, and I've talked about it in other episodes. And it's like I believe in free speech, and I don't. Agree with strong moderation, as it limits dialogue and can limit discussion on things. Um, so I don't think whether you like the current state of Twitter or not, I think it's better than having you know speech and thought policed that's that's me, so I, I've always been one for free speech on the internet, so is what it is. I think Twitter needs to
0: figure out their exact standards of what is free speech and what isn't because there's some ways where they've they've totally opened things up and then there's other ways where they've closed it down. Yeah. And I think that ultimately if you're looking to tech billionaires for your morality, if you're trying to impose a like <laughs> rebels versus empire, there's a good guy and a bad guy type dynamic on top of it, you have lost the thread. Not to make a pun there. Like th- there's it's it's empire v empire. Yeah, You're, neither of these are the scrappy underdog. Totally, they're both multi billion dollar corporations fighting over, uh, fighting in a turf war essentially, for your little snippets of content that they can monetize with ads. It is not a good guy versus bad guy <laughs> situation. It's a business fight that we're all a little too emotionally invested in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing is too is that uh, I feel like Elon is. I feel like the, like Elon's always been a unique social media personality. You know, he's always to been a little off the cuff. The least. <laughs> I feel. I feel like since he bought Twitter, he's embraced. I don't know what he's embraced, <laughs> but he's <laughs> he, he, he's he's turned it up. Yes, like yeah. his posts in the last few weeks, his tweets are not something you would expect from the richest man in the world. Like he called Mark Zuckerberg a cuck the other day. I is, was about to quote the cuck thing.
0: Yeah, that's yeah.
1: not. And that's it's like that's, no. You know, you're both like you're both multi-billionaire, successful people. You run in similar circles. Yeah. If you, even if you have a beef and somebody's trying to steal your business, it's like, guess what? You tried to steal other people's businesses. This is just the way this works, and this is what free competition is. You are a market capitalist. Deal with it. The Writing Zuck is a cuck in the tweet is a strong play <laughs> for somebody with so much social power and fiscal power. You know, I just, with great power comes great responsibility. And I, I just, I don't know if he's just embraced the the bad boy image or what what's up with him. But his he's he's definitely such a bad boy. Well he's definitely got his, got his, got
0: his leather jackets yeah, and his little, yeah, exactly. his little motorcycle.
1: But he's just like that. if he, it, a bad boy it's, now. It seems like he's embracing a bit of the dark side of the of the discussions lately. And it's like, you know, being a promoter of free speech and stuff is great, but it's like at the same time you don't you don't need to yeah. I don't know. I, I'm gonna end it there. I don't know. I don't know how to say it nicely. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't want to have beef with Elon Musk. he's definitely gonna win <laughs> but Musk. but it's like he would definitely win. it's like going going from I, somebody who like three years yes. ago four or four years ago could have run for president and probably won handedly to now being somebody who I don't know and just it's an interesting twist to watch
0: from Tony Stark to shit posting on a social media app you bought for the lulls exactly is a pretty is a pretty <laughs> weird turn <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: So, anyway, threads. Threads.
0: That's threads. Let's uh, let's wrap it up by talking about a little development in the world of Steam and Valve and AI and copyright. So, about a month ago, a Reddit user named PotterHarry97 posted in r slash AI Game Dev, a post that has been like very widely reported on and circulated. It got a response from Steam and their parent company, Valve, on an issue that they're typically quite tight-lipped about, which is their approval process and content moderation. Title of the post. I'm just going to read it in its entirety. Title, Valve is not willing to publish games with AI-generated content anymore. Body. Hey, all. I tried to release a game about a month ago with a few assets that were fairly obviously AI-generated. My plan was to submit a rough version of the game with two to three assets slash sprites that were admittedly obviously AI-generated from the hands... Like nine fingers, I'm guessing. Uh Uh, And to improve them prior to actually releasing the game, as I wasn't aware Steam had any issue with AI generated art, I received this message. Hello. While we strive to ship most titles submitted to us, we cannot ship games for which the developer does not have all the necessary rights. After reviewing, we have identified intellectual property in game name here, which appears to belong to one or more third parties. In particular, game name here, contains art assets generated by artificial intelligence that appear to be relying on copyrighted material owned by third parties. As the legal ownership of such AI generated art is unclear, we cannot ship your game while it contains these assets, unless you can affirmatively confirm that you own the rights to all of the IP used in the data set that trained the AI to create the assets in your game. Yikes. The post blows up, gets widely covered, and Valve responds. And they confirm, they will no longer accept products that have been created using AI content that infringes on copyright. Given that that policy applies to almost all current AI-generated content, it is being, I think, rightly interpreted by many as like a de facto ban on AI on the platform. Mm-hmm.
1: Just, just for art, I'd say there's probably still a lot of AI copy generation going on these days. That, that distinction is more to do with
0: that it's harder to prove exactly he was exactly. Uh, was generated by an AI, though there are some lawsuits we'll talk about that are getting into the tech side of things. Valve spokesperson Casey Boyle clarified that the company is not trying to discourage the use of AI in general, like as a broad category, but they're really focused on existing copyright laws, saying that it makes it really difficult to demonstrate that a developer has sufficient rights to use AI assets in a game. Uh Um, For anyone who is unfamiliar, we've both worked on game projects before. When you make a game... There are multiple stages during that process where you essentially make a promise to someone up the line saying you own all the stuff in the game. If you're a developer, when you sign on with the publisher, you say to them, I'm signing this contract saying I made or have rights to everything in this game. Any vendors that provided you assets sign a similar thing. When the publisher then goes to distribute the game, they sign something similar. Is everyone just saying yes, we have the, the rights to this. There isn't like a Beatles song hanging out in this game that we didn't pay the money for.
1: Yeah, there's not there's not a lawsuit waiting over the over the next. There's not a lawsuit over the next over horizon. The
0: next. Exactly. So the question here, uh, and it's super interesting, is that if you make content using an AI tool like Dali or or Midjourney, can you say that you own the copyright when the models were trained on content without consent of the copyright holder? That question is at the heart of like nine court cases going on in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. That is the question that Valve is waiting to be answered. ChatGPT, DALI, MidJourney, DreamFusion are all trained on these big bodies of data scraped off the internet. You've got uh, Getty Images versus Stability AI, uh, a bunch of novelists against uh, OpenAI, the maker of ChatGPT. And these are all kind of arguing that AI companies like OpenAI are essentially repackaging and selling products based on millions of people's copyrighted work, which is both, I think, true and a way of using the word repackage that has never really been done before. Mm -hmm. It's not repackaging in the way that you would understand that term. The companies defend themselves by arguing that training an AI generator to produce new text or images based on ingested data is more akin to a human writing a novel after being inspired by other books a painter painting a painting, having been inspired by paintings. But data is different than a memory. And so that answer also isn't immediately clear.
1: It's going to be a fascinating outcome. See what they decide on that one.
0: Yeah. The results of those cases are going to entrench into law the answer to that fundamental question. Is this infringement or interpretation? And also interestingly, as different legal jurisdictions, as different places reach different answers to that question, the future of generative AI is probably going to fork and start evolving in some very interesting ways.
1: <laughs> the uh, the one with Getty Images, I think, is interesting because I remember seeing art assets generated by the AI that had yeah. literally the Getty tag in it. Like, if you've ever seen Getty stock, sure, there's, there's a little bar that sticks across that's yeah. like property of Getty yep. Images. I don't don't yep. exactly remember what it says, yep. but it essentially has like a little bar that. Marks, yeah. well, Getty Images watermark. Exactly. Yeah, it's a watermark, and it was generating things with essentially an AI version of the Getty Images watermark, and and people were like, "Well, yeah. this is strange." Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's I, hard to I,
0: argue that your content wasn't scraped in that process, but can you argue that then you have to argue whether it is an interpretation of that content or just a.
1: Repackaging and infringement of it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I I I think that what will I don't know. I'm intrigued because I I think at some point you're going to get a situation where, like maybe Getty will release their own generative AI and train it using their. I think that's exactly. Yeah, their tagged photo set because what what better way to train something than to give it a massive pool of images like Getty owns that are completely tagged with what they are and you know it's it's just a a real easy way to 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 train an ai is to have a data set that large for a training set so i think that is you're going to start seeing massive licensing agreements which i i think is reasonable like if if somebody wants That's to yeah like it's like if you i don't know yeah, it'll be i agree i think it'll be i think it'll come to an end but this this is a fascinating little twist in the story
0: i can imagine a world where There's some sort of like central, maybe someone makes a product where you can basically check a box to pay a certain licensee. Do you want the Getty Images plugin? Like, Do you want that data set fed into the model when you generate this next batch of images? That's a $3.99 a month subscription. Do you want the Flickr one? Do you want the DeviantArt one? Do you want the this, this, or this one? Those are all essentially little boxes you check that pay a small stipend to the original Rights holders. I think that will quickly reveal that people that have uploaded content to those sites aren't actually entitled to compensation <laughs> for the, the but that's a separate thing, and it, it kind of has to do with how we economically <laughs> treat artists on the internet. But I can't <laughs> imagine a world where there is money exchanged, and I can't really imagine a world where there is exactly because at a certain point, really well-funded IP holders are going to realize that, like, yo, Mickey Mouse is in that. Like, at what point does that become the discussion of no? You can't generate new Pokemon, and I know you're infringing on Pokemon because I can make Pokemon with this. Yeah. That's going to come up at some point. Yep. Um, Getty Images is a big fish, but they're not as big as Disney.
1: Well, and the, the, the thing is well, I don't know. Yeah, they're not as big as Disney, but they are very big fish. <laughs> the, they're the, big.
0: They are, they are big. They're bigger than Stability
1: AI. Like, but but your, your, your comment about people creating intellectual property and realizing that they don't actually own it. Or that they don't have complete moral right, or that they've given it away. Exactly. I think Instagram is this is you know to go full circle. (laughs) This is going to become a become a piece of that puzzle too. You know, there's so many. Like I don't even know how many posts there are on Instagram. It's going to be millions, billions, Mm -hmm. trillions, and you know that's another massive training data set. Like they they essentially know what's in every one of those images too. Like that's how their like discovery algorithm works. It's like, oh, Jordan's recently been looking at Zelda posts. It's like, here's a bunch of Zelda posts. None of those are tagged as Zelda. It just sure. knows that they're Zelda posts.
0: They just know. They yeah. know what a Zelda
1: post looks like. Exactly. They, they
0: don't, but some black box algorithm has a vague digital sense memory of what a Zelda post looks like and can make that connection.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be. I think this one's going to be pretty cut and dry, honestly. I think this one's going to come back as saying that that the models don't have license to the data sets that they were trained on, even though the data set is somewhat publicly accessible, it doesn't mean that they have the rights to use it commercially. I think that that's pretty... Yeah, to re-monetize it, yeah,
0: I think that's probably going to be where it goes. Yeah,
1: I think, I think this one's going to be pretty easy. So I do think it's going to be the little mini indie game developer, you know, solo project style. Yeah, yeah. I know people were really getting into, you know, it's a really easy way to generate some basic art assets. And you know, yeah, it sure is. If you're a, a developer, non designer who's building yourself a, a small test game in Unreal, and you just need some assets and sprites, you know, totally.
0: You <laughs> have to imagine that the game submitted by uh, Potter Harry 97 had some very prominent assets in it. If you were able to tell, hey, this person has nine fingers and fifty eight teeth in their mouth. <laughs> this is clearly an AI generation. Um, but it kind of reminds me of samples. If I can clearly identify that that's Stevie Wonder singing on your beat, it's very easy for me to say, hey, you can't use, as the rights holder to Stevie Wonder, you can't use that sample in your song. Yep. But I think we all kind of intuitively know that there's probably some uncleared samples buried in song somewhere because they've been broken and chopped and reversed and turned into something fundamentally new. So a lot of this is gonna depend on, can you identify that there's AI content in your thing, which then hinges on Either some sort of like unremovable watermark or AI not going past the point where the hands are bad and the teeth are weird. Like you have to be able to identify that it was AI to be able to say, hey, get this AI out of your thing. You don't own the rights to it. Uh-huh. As AI gets better, that's just going to get harder to do. So at what point does AI become adversarial to the copyright, co- copyright holders and saying, we don't really care uh, whether you like this or not, mm-hmm. it's gonna be—it's gonna be a really interesting, for as interesting as the last seven months have been since this all really kicked off. I think it's gonna be a very interesting couple of years ahead, and we're gonna have to answer some questions about copyright that I don't think any of us thought we were gonna have to answer.
1: But I feel like they—this uh, is the thing for me—is like I feel like there's so much precedent in these cases. It's a very legal episode of hacked, <laughs> but, but it is. Yeah, I didn't realize it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the. Uh, <laughs> Like what was the song that came out? Has like the three male vocalists, and it, I think, it was like very controversial and kind of like you know. Oh, blurred lines. Blurred lines. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. You took nothing from me there and turned that into blurred lines. That is that is commendable.
0: It had three guys in it and it did. It had T.I. Pharrell and Robin Thick, and it Thank was you. controversial. And it was at the heart of a copyright case. Yes. It was not a sample, it was a rhythm. If I'm ex- if I'm remembering right, it was it was the drum and bass combo that was at the heart of that.
1: It was um, essentially found to be inspired to the point that the original copyright holder required payment. Yep so they had to give i think 5 million dollars to um Marvin Gaye's family as as mm. as it wasn't a sample it wasn't a reproduction like it wasn't exactly the same it sure. was just no, no. Sim- it was just similar enough that they had yeah. to be awarded awarded money and i think that that's that's steam's fear right there yeah It's like this isn't a reproduction. It's been modified. Like a lot of copyright law has the ability of like if you modify X percentage of it, it's Mm -hmm. no longer the original work, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is their fear, is it's it's like, yes, you generated assets, they are definitely not the same thing, but there's enough of you know, a style borrowing or whatever you want to call it that it infringes the original original copyright holders thing. Derivative. And therefore yeah. yeah. And Steam doesn't like Steam's just making sure that they're not named in lawsuits. And I completely respect that. Because they'll get if just as a distribution platform, when what was it? Potter Harry seventy three? Ninety seven. <laughs> ninety seven. When Potter Harry ninety seven gets sued, Steam will get Steam will get named in that lawsuit. And it's like Steam gets sued along the
0: way. Essentially, they will get drive-by sued on their way to Potter Harry at ninety-seven.
1: Completely, the the way law the way lawsuits work is the more people you can name in the suit, the higher amount of people need to settle, and you'll make more money. So everybody will get named, and Steam will get named. I think that that's wise by Steam to sit on the back seat and wait for this stuff to all flush out because they'd just be putting themselves into, especially with how many games get published on Steam and how easy it is to publish a game on Steam. If they allowed anybody um, to put any kind of game out there with any kind of you know, AI assets in it, they'd just be opening the door to a, 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 the lawyer bill of the century. I think it is, it is the shrewd move. And it
0: is juxtaposed mm-hmm. against Disney's choice to publish a TV series with an intro sequence that features AI-generated assets in it. Mm, totally. One of those companies has decided to sort of step back and wait for the legal circumstances to get resolved, and the other is, in a, a small way, uh, forged ahead in using these tools. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. Totally. Thanks for well, Well, stalkerware hacked. Steam Rejecting Games, Margaritaville Bills, and Thumbs Up Emojis Legally Binding. This has been a fun one. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) We'll catch you in the next one.
1: Take care.